Hello, and welcome to the Parental Advisory Movie Podcast. We are your hosts, Jeff Hall and Patrick Terry. We're two dads with a love for movies. Join us as we discuss movies we have seen with our kids, as well as movies we have seen without them. Hello, Patrick. How's it going? Pretty good, Jeff. How are you? I'm doing good, buddy. I'm doing good. Uh, yeah, that's about it. Just doing well. Well, that's good. <laughs> yeah, doing well. Um, how are you doing? What's new? Um, well, not much with me. You know, worked overtime this week, still feeling tired from that. And then while I was working it, got a text from my daughter. Said her mom's dad passed that morning. Oh, so no. she was like, she was like really upset, crying to the point she had a headache. Yeah. And so she was supposed to come this weekend because she didn't come the last one. But yeah. because I was working, I said, let's just wait. And then, yeah. Then uh, that. So it kind of worked out. So she could be there with her mom and everything. Um, he had, she had told me that he had told her about a, a car he was giving her, like a white Nissan. Yeah. And so, um, Ken, her mom's husband, went and picked it up, brought it to the house. She sent a picture. Looks good. Good condition. Yeah. She spent most of uh, Sunday cleaning it out to kind of keep her mind on yeah. things and rearranging her room. So, but other than that, you know, she's okay. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Well, that sucks. Yeah. He was mm. cool. I respected him because a lot, he, he taught me quite a bit that I didn't know. Like, I, I knew, I know how to correctly um change a tire yeah because of him so i didn't know beforehand but um yeah i know her mom's not doing the best and you know he worked a lot so it was probably just you know well from what her mom said he just fell asleep and didn't wake up so died in his sleep so yeah. probably just you know time just caught up with him yeah yeah well um So we've discussed about my grandmother being put in an assisted living, right? Because mm-hmm. her, I mean, she's 95, so yeah, it's bound to happen at some point. Um, and so she's been in there about a month or so. And I guess last week, some sometime during last week, some guy drove, rolled, rolled by. That's probably wrong to say that. He was in a wheelchair, and I mean, he rolled by. I mean, it just is what it is. Yep. And you know, it said hi. You know, said hi, and he said, "I wanted to let you know you look really nice in that outfit." And then, and my grandmother looked right at my mom, kind of in the "What the f?" <laughs> Did he just say? Yeah. <laughs> and instead of being flattered, was more looked more offended or shocked, I guess. And I mean, she wasn't. I mean, she's just wearing like a. I mean, it's it is a nice outfit. It's a black, black with it looks like a kind of silver ovals, kind of large silver ovals throughout. It's you know, it's a nice little outfit. But yeah, uh, mom sent me the picture last night. It says you know this. She's wearing the outfit today. I said, and I wanted to be like, as her f- new friend rolled by. <laughs> but yeah, no, it was really funny. But I was like, wow. Uh, I know she still got it. <laughs> yep. But it was hilarious. I I got a kick out of that. And she's like, That's, "Man, take a compliment. Shoot." Yeah, it's like, you know, blush go a meet some. Go, <laughs> yeah, blush a little, make some friends. 
Or just pretending like you couldn't hear them. <laughs> huh? What? <laughs> so, but, yep. My, my 95-year-old grandmother, her parents still know, st- apparently still has it and uh, still has a good sense of style, <laughs> I guess. Um, style doesn't but, look a lot of fashion. Yeah, yeah. So, but she's she's doing okay. I mean, she's she's hanging in there. And I don't think I told you uh, a couple weeks back. My mom sent me a text saying she saw my, that she went to the theater and saw Marcel the Shell with shoes on. Nice. And said, I said you saw your first A twenty four. I said, how about that? I said she loved it. She thought it was super cute and uh, yeah. you know just really. Just a real fun movie and just real sweet, you know, uh, kind of what she would. She likes those kind of movies. She doesn't really do like heavy dramas unless it's or, you know, big action movies unless it's during the Oscars season. She'll watch a lot of that. She'll try and watch all the best picture um, nominees. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, it's not really for her. She likes more like rom-coms and just comedies in general. Yeah, things are more more uplifting. So uh, those are kind of her wheelhouse. Unless I recommend something, I'm trying to get her to watch everything everywhere all at once because I gave her my login for Apple TV so she can watch our entire library of movies. Yeah. So really trying to get her to watch that to see what she thinks. So I I don't know if that's going to catch on or not, but I really hope so because I think she may even like that. Yeah. Yeah, I picked that up from Walmart. Like, yeah, I want this physically. And then my yeah, um, one of our one of our listeners slash my friend Travis, mm-hmm. uh, different. I was rec- I forgot what how I got on the subject. He watched something. It was crazy. I said, "You like that? You'll love this." I go yeah. pick this up. Go. I said, "Go pitch it. Go pick it up in your uh, you know, your metal box 4K Ultra, whatever the hell it is, collector's thing that you like to get." Yeah. I said, pick it up. I, if you do not like it, I will buy it off of you. But I'm not worried about it. Actually, he told me if I don't like it, I owe, I owe him Wendy's. I said, dude, I'll buy you Wendy's anyways, but. <laughs> I'll also buy it. I said, but I said, but I'm here to tell you. I'm here to tell you. It, it won't. If I buy you Wendy's, it won't be because of this, because I guarantee you're going to like it. And he did. He really liked it, so. And he's a little bit harder to please on what he likes and what he doesn't. It's very out there, I guess. He he just has very specific tastes. So yeah. I, I was so I was relieved and happy that he uh, that he liked it because again his tastes are very kind of specific. Yeah, okay. got a certain taste. Exactly. So, but yeah. Um, but see, not much going on at our house. Uh, just another busy week. Uh, yeah, just a busy week between martial arts and gymnastics and uh, everything in between. Oh, open house. York had his open house. So we uh, got to go there and meet his teachers and all that. Yeah. So looks like it'll be a little bit tougher year this year. So he's gonna have to, homeboy's gonna have to buckle down. Yeah. So, because I guess in sixth grade, sixth and eighth, I think are it's honors English and honors math. I was like, which I didn't realize, and so he's really gonna have to 
Be sure he gets, yeah, buddy. So, uh, I and I think he'll be okay with both because he seems to like both subjects pretty well. He doesn't really care for social studies a whole lot. Yeah, um, which is weird because that was kind of my jam. At least American history, world history, I was always kind of iffy on. Yeah, uh, yeah. I think, but I think he'll be fine. I think he'll be fine. In science, of course, he likes science, so. But yeah, English, he, he'll do more reading. But I think they, I think they do a lot in class though, because they have like they read and then have discussions and stuff like that. So, but yeah, yeah. And then Grayson's open house is this week for second grade, in which uh, his homeroom York's homeroom slash English teacher, excuse me, homeroom slash math teacher. Her daughter actually goes to Grayson's school, so we may even run into her at open house. <laughs> so, but yeah, other than that, just just rolling here, and uh, got to have dinner last. Got to have some friends over who we haven't seen in a while. Uh, came over, had dinner, and just hung out. We didn't watch anything, or we didn't play anything. Just talked. Kids, kids enjoyed it too. York always says he likes hearing uh, funny conversations. With it, you know, it's like I loved listening to your conversations. They were, and they were really funny. So I'm like, okay, it's like cool, man. And then Grayson was just there. She was, she was good. So it was a good time. I mean, you know, she wasn't, she didn't get half stuff, but she, she, you know, was either watching TV or doing her own thing, which is perfectly fine. Yeah. But yeah, well, it was good times. Alrighty, so. uh, uh, ready to get into TV, my friend. What you been sure. watching? I, I did catch She-Hulk. I actually watched the first episode twice. Did you? Okay. I watched I it watched, once. Let me watch it again. <laughs> um, just to try to catch some of the references I missed. Um, mm-hmm. But I think it was a good first show. You know, spend, uh, spend the time to get her origin out of the way. Then we'll see what happens for the remaining five episodes. Yeah. I... So I enjoyed it too. My uh, one of our mutual friends didn't sent me a text one day and said that he hated it. He did not like it. He thinks Marvel's really going downhill. And I've kind of heard that about from a couple of people I've talked to that have enjoyed the Marvel properties that mm-hmm. uh, have come out. But they said that there one uh, one person I talked to said that he feels like Phase Four is really kind of struggling. You know, basically things are kind of, they're not as strong after after uh, Endgame. Right. Which I don't completely agree with. I yeah, think. I mean, it's kind of hard to, like that, I mean, that the first three phases, like, it's going to be hard to match that. Yeah. You know, then you had COVID come in. We don't know how that affected things, what their plans were. Like, maybe, I think some of the movies came out out of order. And then they're probably just trying something different. This is like the multiverse saga, so who knows? These things that we're seeing and not happy with is probably just another universe, not really kind of have similar things happen in the timeline and whatnot, you know, or it's just just different. They're just taking chances. Yeah, well, and I think probably what I think a lot of people may have problems with. So every show has a different kind of tone. Yeah. You know, but because whereas, I mean, even the movies even though some of the movies do, but there's still some sort of cohesion with them. Mm-hmm. 
but the shows themselves are so and I try and tell people that if you were to tell me that you're basing your entire opinion of a series on one epi- on the first episode, we would have we would have never gotten through one division. True. Cuz that first episode's not great. Am I I, I respect it because I, I love what they tried to do in paying homage to the old 50s sitcoms, but yeah, as a property, it, it's not great. Yeah, but not, it wouldn't be for everybody. You, right, it wouldn't be yeah. for everybody. So you put that, but if you put it in the context of the entire you know, six episodes, it's great because you can see this is where it starts and then it's the progression mm-hmm. of how the rest of that's season series whatever yeah and you, you learn know, that one was leaning back on what she did as a kid watching right dick watching van dyke. Old, yeah watching dick van dyke bewitch and all those shows with her parents and that's kind of her coping mechanism yeah so she put everybody into that world like ah, i can control this you know she can't control anything outside of that but she can control everything that she creates right and that's, so i think when so i think when people look at these shows they need to kind of give it i mean it's six episodes 30 to 45 minutes i mean it's not really taking too much out of your day it's not like the first episode it's like the first episode for two and a half hours (laughs) right right (laughs) so just i think people if they have if they don't like the first episode should stick with it just to see how it builds and go from there because just like every other show, like Loki, Loki's still not my favorite, but, you know, it's building on, like, each episode is building on the previous one or two or however many. And so you have to, again, as a whole, it's great, but individually, some some hit better than others. Right. But, I mean, that's just me. Um, but, I mean, I agree there are, you know, there's, some misses i mean i still enjoyed falcon winter soldier still enjoyed uh hawkeye but maybe i just am more invested in those characters i don't know or maybe i just enjoyed the storyline better who knows but i think again you just kind of have to give it a chance with she hulk i enjoyed it i (laughs) like the what the more kind of lightheartedness um i know a lot of from what I've seen, at least the people that have problem, like a lot of people have a problem with just Hulk in general right now, because there yeah. was pretty much since Ragnarok, uh, you know, Hulk has been pretty much <laughs> basically, yeah, he basically he his entire demeanor and character completely changed from big mean Hulk, you know, big mean scary Hulk to you know, just Banner Hulk, you know, it's just Banner banter at that Hulk, yeah. and it, you know, the complete, the entire ch- change of the character. But honestly, I think that fits when you look at the, if you look at what he went through in Ragnarok, and then what happened in uh, Infinity War, mm-hmm. and, you know, basically Hulk got his butt handed to him by Thanos, and yeah. so it changed him you know, like it scared him and you know he's big green big mean green dude that actually got scared got humbled <laughs> yeah like, 
very, like, very I'm, much. I'm, I'm the angry monster and this big purple guy <laughs> just with my butt didn't even use a stone. So, exactly. It's like, dang. Um, yeah. Yeah. And then I've been seeing how Universal still owns the whole as far as movie wise. So Marvel Studios isn't putting too much into his character because of that. They can't go full out because they don't have full control. And that's why they call him Smart Hulk and not Professor Hulk, because that right. part is owned by Universal. And so, I don't know, I'm just kind of open-minded to it. Like, I think with this phase, everybody's still stuck on the first three, so they want things to follow the same pattern. And it's like, can't do that, <laughs> you know, because that's just, you know, they get criticized for just doing the same thing every movie. Like, what was it? Iron Man, his enemy was someone that had the same, had a suit like him, mm-hmm. Ant-Man villain had a suit like ant-man you know so they're trying to do something different <laughs> which i respect right. i think in yeah. the long run it'll be stuff will come back to like okay i get this now yeah i see the why they did yeah and but as a show and i love so uh i watched the entire series of orphan black so i love uh tatiana mazzani I, I absolutely love her the fact like the fact that she was able to play multiple characters in one show like just trying to figure out how like when you wake up and like okay i'm preparing to play this character and they're like well you know what something came up so we had to do this scene so you're actually going to be this character and having to then try and change your mindset on everything it's just it's so much it's so much to play one character people that could play multiple characters in a series god bless them because that just that's daunting and to make them feel different. Like, yes, they look yes. the same, but they're different personality. They have their own little quirks, little tics, things that they do that the others won't. And, okay, you know. Yeah. So when I heard if she was playing She-Hulk, I'm like, perfect. <laughs> perfect. perfect. She's playing two characters. Yeah. Completely different. Uh, so I was very excited when I was like, sweet, good casting. I'm on it. You know, mm-hmm. I'm on board with this. Let's do it. And, you know, I think it was... I think for our first episode, yeah, like you said, to get that orange, you know, that origin story, kind of show her basically being against superheroes and, yeah. you know, saying, hey, y'all got to pay your, you know, pay your dues and all this stuff. But then she becomes one. And now she's like, so about that. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to start. And then it was, it was cool with the. Um fourth wall breaking like it's self-aware yes. you yes. know it's like like this is a lawyer show you're gonna be bored with that so let's you know, this is something you're more interested in so Bust let's take up. care of that first and then we'll go forward from there yeah <laughs> so i like that yep i like it but too. that scene that thing still gets me when um hoax like like I, I respect your decision to go back to your old life it's like he doesn't believe that and then how the look at the camera i was like it gets even in the trailer when i saw that it just gets me i laugh every time just subtle small things Exactly. I hope she meets Deadpool, and Deadpool's like, oh, you're my spirit animal. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> That'd be so cool. Yeah, that would be good. Yeah, I, I would dig it. That'd be the best way. To, I would love for him to get introduced that way, like she's having to represent yeah. him. Yeah. Like they, maybe they talk, and then she starts talking to the, to the uh, breaking the fourth wall, and he's like, wait, you can do that too? You see them also? Like, you're like, <laughs> are you talking to them too? Yeah. Oh my God! Are we best friends? <laughs> what just happened here? Did we just yeah. become best friends? Like, oh my God! I think so. 
You want to go get a chimichanga at the food truck? (laughs) Chimichangas. Uh, If it happens, you heard it here first. Exactly. If it happens, (laughs) there we go. Um, But yeah, definitely, uh, definitely watch it. Give it a try if you haven't already. It's it's cute. Um, I'd let Grayson watch this if if she wanted to. Yeah. But I don't know how interested she'll be. I guess we'll find out. I'll give it a try. See what she thinks. Um. But yeah, uh, and then Jamila Jamil, who I love, I think she's awesome, and uh, she plays a, I guess, is it Tatiana or is it Tight Titan? I don't know if it's supposed to play off the word Titan, but Titiana T I T A N I A. Could be Titania or Tat. I don't know. I don't know. Like I haven't, I haven't yeah. heard him say it yet. <laughs> yeah, me either. I just saw yeah. she just popped up at the end. So yeah. But we'll next I, stay tuned for the next episode of She-Hulk. You find out how she pronounces her name. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this got nine episodes. Not six. Yeah. That's okay. Plus. Yeah. I just Shoot, kind of forgot about eight. that. So yeah. for the next eight episodes, we'll see. <laughs> there we go. That's cool. Good yeah. for them. <laughs> Good for you, Marvel. Yes. <laughs> Look at you. Oh, I mean, they you. gave Must Daredevil. What, what Daredevil get, like, 12 or 18? Something, something like that. that. So I'm like, all right. Yeah, 18, I think. Yeah. Give She-Hulk half of that. Yeah. That sounds about right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Give them the female about half, you know. <laughs> she got that much see see it's the <laughs> stuff that she's dealing with that's why she can that's why she's able to adjust to being the hulk <laughs> yep oh bless <laughs> um have you watched anything else uh, i've been watching the series surface on apple tv yes I i'm only two episodes in so I, it's good so far you know um the lead actress had a accident where she had brain injury where she can't remember everything about her life and so things start to surface where maybe her husband didn't tell the truth about everything and her best friend has questions about whether or not that's really her friend because mm-hmm. she asks her questions that she can't really answer and she's like well you're my best friend and you're having trouble answering these simple questions so it's a lot of things to what's going on and i'm just curious how things pan out and then um i watched the first episode of house of dragon house of the dragon last night um yeah i was worried because i didn't really care for that last season of game of thrones but i think they're kind of back on track with their writing and presenting the story and um i'm real curious about what this season how the season will go <clears throat> so yeah i've made it third 20 minutes in so far um it's not a big mystery that I'm not like a huge fan of Game of Thrones. I watch it for the pop cultureness of it, so I can uh, stay on top of that. Yeah. But much like Walking Dead, it's not one that I'm like just dying to watch. But I will end up watching it. Yeah, uh, it's just I'm not just like looking forward to it every week. But I'm still going to watch it so we can you know discuss it and everything. For what I've seen, very for what I've seen so far, it does look. I mean, it looks great. Um, right. The jousting scenes that I've been watching are pretty, uh, pretty intense. I love uh, whatever Doctor Who at uh, Smith. There we go. I like his jousting outfit. 
with the uh, dragon helmet. Yeah, I thought that's pretty cool. Um, and his horse is beautiful. That jet black stallion. Oh my god, beautiful horse. Yep. And of course, you know, I'm looking at all these other horses, and all I could think of is nope. <laughs> all these right. horses, and I'm like, like oh, when they're from the same ranch. <laughs> <laughs> so, but that's all I thought. I was like, are there mm. descendants? <laughs> yeah. Can be future stars of yeah. movies and TV shows. Yep. <laughs> Um, but yeah, other than uh, for me, other than She-Hulk, uh, I watched. I started watching Five Days at Memorial, also mm-hmm. on Apple TV Plus, uh, based on the events of from uh, Hurricane Katrina. Also based on the book. I listened to the audiobook years back. Loved it. It's crazy. I mean, it's auto. It's an autobiography. But for those that don't know, uh, Five Days at Memorial. Is about uh, doctors and nurses at the intensive care unit of a New Orleans hospital that struggle with treating patients during Hurricane Katrina when the facility is without power for five days. So, and also on the seventh floor, it's really where it's like a nursing home, assisted living type thing on one floor mm-hmm. that's its own entity. So, I guess you could think of it as. This facility renting out space at the, on the seventh floor of a hospital. Like they have their own staff, their own emergency people. They're just in this hospital, though. It's so weird. I, yeah. Kind of like having the VA hospital in the middle of Vanderbilt. <laughs> kind, I mean, kind of, but if it's if it were like actually inside, inside the hospital. Yeah. yeah. You know, but it, it yeah, but it, it being there around the surrounding area, you're correct. But it, but this is literally inside the f- the building, so, so all the incident command, you know, staffing and decisions that are being made with the hospital, they're not including this nursing facility um, on the seventh floor because they're like, well, you have to, you're your own thing, you should have to take care of yourself, Damn. which you know, kind of, kind of crap, crap deal on that. So it's really interesting for them trying to wrestle with all of that. But then uh, I'm only three episodes in. The new episode came out this past Friday. I haven't watched it yet. Uh, episode four, because they dropped the first three right off the bat. And it's really good. Uh, Vera Farmiga plays Dr. Anna Powell, P-A-P-O-U. Uh, Cherry Jones plays uh, Susan Mulderick, who I, I love Cherry Jones. She was in season four. Five of twenty-four, I think. She played. I think she first played the vice president and then became president. Anyways, amazing, amazing, I, amazing actress. Just in general, absolutely love her. She's great in this as well. Uh, I, yeah, it's it's very much a drama. It's not like big thriller or big action. You know, it's not going to have. It's not like a rolling Emmerich film where the big giant waves are coming over, and yeah. uh, they're actually they actually intercut. Not stock footage, but intercut footage from, you know, from the news showing, you know, the Hurricane Katrina when it hits, the aftermath and what, and then the looting and stuff like that. They intercut the narrative stuff with documentary type or just actual news footage uh, scenes and just a good healthy mix to that to kind of make it seem like show that, hey, this really did happen. Not that, you know, this 
this isn't a fictional account. It's just a dramatized account. I guess it's a better way to put it. Right. Of what happens. So that this, you know, really did happen. Uh, it is co-written and developed by Carlton Coos, who did Lost and some other great shows. But yeah, I would highly recommend watching this. It gives you a definite, you know, it's kind of a reminder of what all we've been through. And then what, you know, hospitals, as well as uh, military, law enforcement, uh, fire EMS, what what lessons they learned from that so they can incorporate a whole cohesive uh, communication whenever natural disasters occur, in which they call incident command systems. And there's a lot more cohesion. You, everybody's on the same page. Everybody has a role. Everybody's using the same kind of, uh, they don't use law enforcement and fire EMS use different codes. Various different law enforcement agencies use different different codes. So whenever an incident command is set up, it's just plain speech. And that way there's no confusion as to what's going on around you. Because they had a bunch of people that, because I remembered at the department I was working at at the time, mm-hmm. we had people that were in National Guard and that we had some officers that went and because uh, one of my supervisors actually got deployed down there uh, to work at, you know, to assist. And he was gone like three months, three, four months. And then uh, a couple other coworkers would go down to volunteer some time. And so, again, when you go do that, you have to you're coming for one agency to go to a different state, to a different area. And you're trying to assist. But, you know, things are. uh the way things are run are completely different. So you have to get on that same page and communication was an issue. I know then. So now I'm glad they finally developed a new thing. So there's a lot more cohesiveness and uh, less of a chance for communication breakdown, I guess we'll say. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Off soapbox, not really soapbox, but education tool. There we go. Yeah. Um, little trivia, I guess. Um, but yeah, I definitely highly recommend. Definitely, I think people should watch it. It's pretty good. I guess I go first. We have no feature presentation this week, so <clears throat> I believe it is my my week to go first. <laughs> okay. <clears throat> Once you had anything else you wanted to talk about beforehand. Um, no, I just mentioned because I didn't mention it the last time we recorded. I've been watching season two of Reservation Dogs. Which, oh, yeah, um, definitely talk about that. Yeah, which picks up from the last last season. There was a tornado that happened, so they're kind of picking up the pieces from that. One of the main four that's left of the kids has left with a rival to go to California to complete the trip that their friend Daniel, who had passed, um, they decided to do that. So she left with somebody from a rival group and they're on this road trip. So you get a little bit of what they go through and then the aftermath of the, of the remaining friends, how they're dealing with that and trying to do their own thing. And it's good so far. It's only, I think three episodes in four. So I think the fifth episode comes out this week. So they dropped the first two or three week one, but still pretty good. I still like it. Still recommend it. If nobody's watched it yet. 
Yep. That'd be me. So I need to get on it. <laughs> need to get on it. And it's short. They're like 25 minute episodes. So it's not. Okay. It's a quick yeah. burn. Yeah. There you go. Cool. Okay. So I watched. Hey, I watched a documentary. <laughs> surprise, surprise. I actually haven't got to say that in a long time, though. I know. I guess it's been a minute since I've watched one. Yeah. Hasn't really been. I guess there really hasn't been anything out that I've been wanting to watch uh, that's come out. So, since the. At least, I guess, since the Academy Awards. Yeah. So, I watched Facing Nolan. Uh, came out this this year. One hour, 42 minutes long. In the world of Major League Baseball, no one has created a mythology like Nolan Ryan. Told from the point of view of the hitters who faced him and the teammates who revered him. Facing No One is a definitive documentary of a Texas legend. Directed by Bradley Jackson. With, I guess you could say, appearances by uh, former President George W. Bush, Robert Goldman, Mike McRae, Nolan Ryan, Steve Bouchel, Bobby Witt. These are Texas Rangers players I grew up with when I lived there. Uh, Dave Winfield, who's looking great, by the way, mm-hmm. and uh, Craig Biggio, and several others that uh, that was just you know great to get their point of views. Plus, it shows. So it's a look at Nolan Ryan growing up. The interview is basically his wife, who he's known since fourth grade, wow. and you know basically he was he got. He got drafted uh, by the Mets when he was 18 years old, mm-hmm. and his, well, not then, his then-girlfriend was 16, so she obviously had still, like, she had plans to go to college and stuff like that, but then he got drafted, so she basically just had to wait until after, you know, until she got old enough, and then they got married while he was, you know, in the in the minors, and then they, he started out as a relief pitcher for the New York Mets, and he had like ridiculous speed, but no control. So they said that the the best way to relate is like Tim Robbins' character from Bull Durham, Nuke, Nuke Lelouch, and that he had all that kind of speed but no control, mm-hmm. and so. Within his first couple years, he had helped get the Mets to the uh, to or to win the NL pennant, and then also helped win the World Series. <laughs> he still was having problems with his control. The Mets didn't resign him, but the California Angels did. And it was at that time he finally met his, he finally got a pitching coach. And his pitching pitching coach said that his delivery, he was lunging too far forward in his delivery. So they helped correct that. And then after that, boom, boom, boom. Within 18 months, he had three no hitters, which is unheard of. Yeah. And, you know, it talks about his, you know, his admiration for Sandy Koufax and wanting to just, you know, wanting to be like him and how much he just revered him. And within 18 months, he had tied Koufax's record for for no hitters with three. 
Yeah. And, you know, all of a sudden the California Angels, who were kind of the joke of the American League, are now all of a sudden a competitive team because he helped kind of get everybody else kind of fed off of his energy. Yeah. So, but it's funny because during the off seasons, he was still like for when he was with the Mets during the off seasons, he was still working on a ranch, you know, and he was still doing uh, like road games. He still had books cause he wanted to be a veterinarian cause he didn't know if how long this, you know, being a baseball player was going to last and he knew he needed a backup. Right. So he was doing reading and research and trying to uh, stay on top of it so he can prepare for his second career. So they don't, cause they only paid him during the season. He didn't get paid in the off season. And he started out just making 7,000 a year, which he said, which wasn't great, but it was okay. Yeah. And so he worked on the ranch when he uh, joined the angels and he, uh, he became the first player to get a million dollar contract with the, with the California angels. And the owner at the time was Gene Autry, the AKA the singing cowboy from the, from the old, you know, from the movies mm-hmm. had, a, I forgot, I guess I forgot he owned the California angels or uh, I guess they were, I think they were still the California angels before they switched to Anaheim angels. Uh, so, he he was really impressed because he grew up on Gene Autry movies as a kid. So he, so he's like, this is like one of the best things that ever could happen. And yeah, he was the first player in all of sports, not just baseball, but all of sports, to get a million dollar contract, and then kind of set the set the pace for that to become a regular thing for all of sports. But he ended up having. It just shows him like working on the ranch and how he loved, you know, it's like he loves cattle for whatever, you know, he's just, oh, it's been embedded in him mm-hmm. to this day. He still has his ranch, has his cattle, you know, keeps, sells it, keeps it, whatever. And it's just fascinating what, watching these interviews because I'm not big on like sports documentaries aren't really something that really it's not really my jam mm-hmm. as much as it is some others but i grew up watching nolan ryan as a kid we had when we lived in dallas we had season tickets to ranger games so i got i was fortunate to see him pitch a couple of times and just watch him just be lights out with these with these all-star players he ended up playing for 27 years he was 43 I think he was 43 when he retired Damn. yeah I mean if you think about that he played in, he played in four different uh, decades because he started in 69 started in 69 play throughout the 70s was on the Angels and then uh, through the, uh, the Mets and Angels in the 70s and then played for the Astros because he and it wasn't because he had a little bit there was a little bit of drama with the Angels towards the end of his contract, mm-hmm. but or at least the administration, not with the actual team. And so he wanted to be closer to home to his family. So he signed free agent with the Houston Astros. And and so that way he he was like thirty five minutes from his house. 
so he could actually stay at home, spend time with his family when he, you know, uh, and then boom, go to the games. Yeah. And so you know, it's a big deal with, and then here comes no hitters, you know, like four five and six. And then he didn't think that he'd get any more. And then, uh, the Astros, I guess, weren't going to resign him because they didn't they didn't want to pay him. Mm-hmm. They wanted him to actually take a pay cut, and he wasn't going to do that. So he signed on with the Texas Rangers, which is when I, you know, got to watch him. And he got his seventh no. He got his five thousand strike strikeout with the uh, playing the you know as a Texas Ranger. He got his seventh no hitter. And the the crazy thing about that is that. When he went to go, when he started the game, he didn't think he would be able to finish it because he was, his back was, you know, was, you know, he said his back wasn't feeling good and that he may make it an inning. And then yeah. the more he pitched, the more his back got loosened up, and he ended up pitching his seventh no hitter, which is crazy. And of course, it goes through the whole Robin Ventura fight as well. So that's, you know, because that's. But he says, for all his records, that's one of the things he's most famous for, is that, you know, here's this kid <laughs> charging the mound, and here's this 43-year-old man, you know, grabbing him, like, you know, grabbing him in a headlock and then popping him in the top of the head, you know, yeah. over and over. And then finally, he winds up, I guess, on the bottom of this dog pile. And then who pulls him up but Bo Jackson, who was one of his biggest rivals. Yeah. So it's because he was on the White Sox at that time. So yeah, pretty crazy. Anyways, it's if you like baseball or even you know, just even baseball doc or sports documentaries, you'll absolutely love this. I ended up uh, renting this on iTunes, and it's also available on Prime uh, for rental as well. But I highly recommend. It. It's really well done. Again, it shows them. Uh, not only does it show footage and everything from his baseball career, but also time with his family. Interviews with his sons, his daughter, his grandkids, and of course his wife. Um, but yeah, facing Ryan uh, or facing Nolan, I mean, facing Nolan. Uh, how you recommend? All right. My first entry. <clears throat> I checked out the movie Jungle, which is on Prime Video. It's originally released October twentieth, twenty seventeen. Has a runtime of an hour fifty five minutes. Uh, directed by Greg McLean. And it stars Daniel Radcliffe, uh, Alex Russell, Thomas Kretschmann, uh, Yasmin Kassim, Joel Jackson, and Jacek Coman. <clears throat> so it's about a group of friends that join a guide for a trek into the Bolivian jungle, searching for an Indian village, and the men soon realize that the jungle is a difficult place to be. So this is based on a true story. Uh, it takes place in the 80s. So Yossi, played by Daniel Radcliffe, plans a trip to Bolivia's rainforest. Uh, along the way, he meets Marcus and his friend Kevin. And they kind of just hang out and, uh, I guess, stay in the same lod- lod- lodging. But uh, on the day at the market, Yossi is, is randomly approached by Carl who claims to know the existence of an indigenous tribe and him being friends with the people that live there. So even though, like Yossi, he's like excited about it because he's trying to 
just see the world and just go just travel and see as many things as he can marks and kevin are kind of reluctant about it like like can how can you trust this guy you just met him um shouldn't you know it's not a good idea but uh yossi sets up a meeting so kevin and marcus can meet carl and so kevin's more convinced than marcus that okay maybe this guy knows he's talking about so and kevin's a photographer so i can get some good shots and be a good trip so they all agree to go um so about halfway in like they're you know they're just traveling the jungle it's a long trek they you know take a uh, make a stop in a village where the people apparently know carl and you know they you know spend time with the kids there get to know the villagers and have a good time and then they leave out the next morning but then they kind of start getting this trek is getting long so they're like why don't we go by river so they build a raft start going down the river of course the river start to rage and they start having issues with communicating with each other so they start having conflict amongst themselves um kevin feels like carl's full of it doesn't know what he's doing he's like you know he knows he's scared on the raft like maybe he just dude can't swim and you know maybe he's not really what he says he is so but yossi wants to continue you know marcus He's wanting to stop because he's developed these bloody sores on his feet and it's hard for him to walk. And Kevin and Yossi are kind of tired of his his complaining. Um, and then Carl just kind of gets frustrated with everybody. <laughs> you know, he's frustrated <laughs> with all of them. So, but they eventually split up. Uh, like, like they, 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 they find a little piece of land with the raft, take a break. But then Marcus goes with Carl and Kevin and Yossi continue down the river. To where they're eventually split up and now um yossi's pretty much stuck in this jungle to survive by himself because you know there's no one around and he's stuck facing the elements um counters deadly snakes just just the whole jungle environment as a whole even comes across some quicksand and you know just he, he has a struggle he it's like he gets stuck there three weeks in the jungle barely any supplies and there's even one part where he picks up an egg and there's like a pre-developed bird and he eats it. <laughs> He's like, it's like, sorry, you know, I gotta survive. So he I'm just like, all right. I mean if, if I was in that situation, I guess I would understand, but I don't know. I, yeah. just, I don't know. I don't know. because um, he was kind of squeamish about so early in the movie, Carl shoots a monkey and cooks it. And he was kind of squeamish about eating it. But I guess by this point, you know, like, I got to survive. I got to eat. I can't make it if I don't eat. And then meanwhile, we don't see Marcus or Carl anymore. Kevin is trying to find Yossi. And it's just basically about Yossi's survival. Will Kevin find him? And will we ever see Marcus and Carl? It's, I mean, Ke- uh, Yossi went through it. It's, um, again, it's a true story. So it's all on Wikipedia and looking it up. Um, it was an interesting movie. Like, first thing is don't go on tour guide, you know, with um, guided <laughs> tours with strangers without having some kind of, you know, information to back up that they are who they yes. are. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yes. Because Carl makes claims that he's been he's wanted by the government. He's done some things, and I'm like, yeah, maybe they shouldn't have went on this. <laughs> Yeah, but uh, I thought it was interesting. 
And uh, if you got Prime, it's kind of long. I think they could have, even though this is based on a true story, they could have trimmed off maybe 20 minutes mm-hmm. just to help with the pacing because it does drag a bit. But it's worth worth watching if you got the time. Okay. Okay. Um, so I'm just, I'm going to fairly quickly put my two cents in. Uh, York and I went and saw Bullet Train. We went mm-hmm. saw it in 4DX because he'd already seen it, but I had seen it, and the time worked out, and I knew he would be really excited because um, him and I have done 4DX several times, mm-hmm. and I he was excited about seeing it in 4DX. So this movie I really enjoyed. I don't think it needed the 4DX treatment because even though it, there is a lot going on, there's enough lull, you know. I don't mean lull as in like a like it's boring. Slide but I'm down, just saying slide down time. There's there's downtime when there's where things are happening but not action things. Yeah. Like things are happening via dialogue and you know progressing the actual story with mm-hmm. a story because <laughs> that's usually good and to have a good movie. Otherwise, it's, you know, action with not a whole lot. It's just set pieces. Yeah. So the fact that this actually has a story, which is great, the only thing that that tripped me up is that I've because of it, I forgot that we were in the 4DX theater. So as soon as something would happen, I would jump because I'm like, oh yeah, I forgot our seats are moving, and <laughs> it, that happened several times. I'm like, okay, and I mean, it was it was still entertaining. Like I I. I sat there and I'm like, you know what? I would have been fine just seeing this in regular theater and still yeah. would have had a very enjoyable experience. Yeah. And so, since you already kind of covered the movie, York really enjoyed seeing it a second time to see what he missed and to see it in a different kind of experience. Mm-hmm. And he, I think that's going to be one of his, I think he said this can wind up being one of his favorite movies of the year. I said, good, keep a list. Yeah. So we can use it at the end of the year. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but he, no, he really liked it. Uh, so he, I was like, good. And I really enjoyed it. In fact, I, he had, uh, Brad Pitt had this one line in the movie that I, that I, I immediately got my phone out and opened up my notes section so I could type it, so I could write it down so I'd never forget it or else I'd be really upset. <laughs> uh, a fight scene occurs, and he he uh, he gives this beauty this beauty of a quote that says, "Let this be a lesson in the toxicity of anger." And I laugh so hard, I'm like, "Oh my god, I'm going to start using that way too much." <laughs> but it's true. <laughs> it is. I'm like, it's like I, I I love this so much, and then uh, I was like, "Oh my god, that's hilarious." I kind of want it on a shirt. I probably end up. Hey, we might put it on shirt. Um, yeah. yeah, but I, I cracked up on that. I was like, "That's." And he had another one. I couldn't get my phone to do it quick enough, but it it was pretty funny though. There's a lot of great lines like that because Brad Pitt's a, you know, is a uh, he is a a hitman that's trying to kind of you know it's been going to therapy, trying to do better with his life and make better decisions, and. He hates. He doesn't want to use a gun anymore because he's trying to do better and he's you know, trying to get out of doing the job. But he's 
kind of like one of those doing this last job type of thing. Yeah. And he's only doing it because another guy called out sick, pretty much. Yeah. To which later <laughs> on plays a part in the movie. And the person that they show it's hilarious. So it's like, yeah. oh yeah, that that's about right. Yeah. And uh but no, it's it's done really well. The action is great. The characters are done really well. Like even the bad guys that you're not supposed to like, you actually end up liking because they're they're just written really well and acted excellently. Yeah. Uh, so this is written. So it is directed by David Leach, who uh, directed Deadpool two, directed uh, Fast and Furious or Hobbs and Shaw, Fast and Furious. And uncredited, but directed John Wick, uncredited. So I don't know if he did, like, like if the director was out for a little bit and then jumped in or what. But anyways, uh, found that to be interesting. And also that he used to, him and Brad Pitt had a long working relationship before Bullet Train because Leach was, uh, was Brad Pitt's stunt double in multiple films, including Fight Club, Ocean's Eleven, Troy and Mr. and Mrs. Smith. And then uh, if you've seen Deadpool 2, you know that uh, Brad Pitt made a cameo in uh, Deadpool 2. So, yeah. In that he's also, David Leach does have a cameo in this movie. Another bit of interesting trivia is that if you were to take the bullet train from Tokyo to Kyoto, it will take you two hours and eight minutes, which is the exact runtime of the film. Nice. Yes. I was like, you know what? I love that kind of attention to detail. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, uh, I really I really liked it. Uh, it is based on the Japanese novel Maria Beetle, or I'm not going to try and pronounce it, which was first published in 2010. The visibility from the film production led to Harville Secker's acquisition of the novel's English publishing rights, bringing Isaka's work to English for the first time. So, you gotta get them right so you can make that movie. Yep. So after we saw the move, saw the movie, got out to the car. I showed York the trailer for Kickass. Mm-hmm. So he could say, "It's like, hey, the guy that Tangerine." I was like, "It's an orange." <laughs> the guy that played Tangerine played. You know, it was when he was a kid. Also came out in 2010. You know, played this played this hero or anti-hero in kick in this movie. So I showed him the trailer, and he's he thought it, he was laughing. He thought it looked good. So I think we're gonna try and watch that. I figure, you know, seeing other things, I think he'll be fine with this. Yeah. So, <laughs> but yeah, if you haven't seen Bullet Train, it is such not to not to play on the pun too much, but. It is really a fun ride, and you know everyone should watch it. It's because it's like a, it's also a, it's an action movie with a whodunit, with yeah. a lot of humor. So definitely worth a watch. Maybe not in 4DX, but definitely worth a watch. It's got the multiple stories that tie together at the end. I was like, yes, nice. beautifully woven. So, all right, alrighty, um. <clears throat> My second entry, I went to see the movie Beast. Strangely enough, there's another movie 
out with the same name as Indian comedy. So, not to be confused with that one. Gotcha. This here is an adventure drama horror thriller. Yeah. Um, <laughs> not a, so not a Beauty and the Beast adaptation is what you're saying. Correct. <laughs> no, that that one did come out. That also named Beast. It, it could be kind of like a, a Lion King reference in a way. Hmm. Maybe. <laughs> Maybe. Depending on how you look at it. I, I had thoughts of that when I was watching it. <laughs> like somebody goes rogue. But um, <laughs> this got released this past Friday the 19th. Good sweet spot time of an hour and 33 minutes. Uh, directed by Baltazar uh, Kumakur. Stars Idris Elba as Dr. Nate Samuels. You have Ayana Haley, who plays his daughter Meredith Samuels, but she goes by Mir. Uh, Lee Jeffries plays his youngest daughter, Nora Jeffries, and then Shalto Copley plays Martin Battles. <clears throat> this is about a father and his two teenage daughters finding themselves hunted by a massive rogue lion intent on proving that the savannah has but one apex predator. So, um, Idris's Nate plans a trip to South Africa in an attempt to reconnect with his daughters. Uh, previously, his wife had passed. She had cancer. And he's getting resentment from his oldest daughter because she feels that he worked too much and wasn't around. And he's a doctor. And he kind of he beats himself up because as a doctor, he didn't see the signs that she was sick. Yeah. And, and so he feels... We'll go back to Africa where I met their mom, where she lived, and maybe we can get this get this back on track. Um, they re- reconnect with an old friend, Martin Battles, who's going to give them a tour, much like in Jungle, where they meet this friend. He's going to take them on a tour just to show them show them the, the area. Um, so things kind of get dangerous when they realize that there's a beast of a lion going around kind of mauling people like they come mm-hmm. across this village where the people have been mauled they're not being eaten they're just killed and left for dead so the thought it's either the poachers or it's a lion uh but they had that first encounter with this lion which they show in the trailer and now i'll say the cgi for the lion is not it's not great but it's serviceable it's cool all right there, there's a scene where martin approaches this pride of lions and they come two of them mm-hmm. up and start hugging them and I man it looks pretty decent enough you know but you, you know it's cgi because i don't think any actors would take that risk maybe maybe somebody would take the risk of having lions hug them and you know get that close to them there's some crazy ones that will i'm sure um but this, then it just becomes survival because they get stuck out in the desert their only transportation they they use it to try to get away from the lion and end up wrecking and then just, it's just about this lion just showing his apex predator, almost like the predator. <laughs> in yeah. A way. And he's, he doesn't like they even have this trank dart that they're able to successfully use on him. It's supposed to get knock him out for like two hours, maybe like a couple minutes and he's back up. It's almost like the brain injury patients we deal with. They give him medication and then they're yep, yeah. sorry, it didn't work. <laughs> um. <laughs> I did like this movie. I felt like it may have been better streaming. Like I'd been fine okay. watching it at home. Um, yeah. Not to say, not to take anything away from the movie. I just feel like it just it's more of a Netflix, Prime, a Hulu type mm-hmm. movie. 
Um, I don't think, like so far, I think it's only made $9.2 million. Uh, I didn't get to see what the budget was, but um, I still thought it was fun. Kind of a thrilling ride with sprinkles of horror in it. Um, they um, they show the line a lot. I kind of feel like if they had gone more of the Jaws approach where they just show a lot of yeah. offspring stuff and then at the end yeah. you see it, uh, would have added, added a bit to it. But I think it's pretty decent. You know, it's about this father reconnecting with his daughters and just doing everything he can to save them, make sure they all get out alive. But they do make some questionable decisions. <laughs> the oldest daughter has a tendency to run off when she shouldn't. Um, he makes some decisions at the end. And I'm like, I mean, I get what you're trying to do, but not the smartest thing. But also right. I understand. <laughs> I also understand. But um, I thought it was, it was pretty decent. Okay, so cool. Yeah. Uh, speaking of Jaws, the I think it's the 40th 40th anniversary. Mm-hmm. They're bringing it back. Uh, it's going to be an IMAX and real 3D. So yeah, I'm, I'm going to be I, off I'm, that week. So I'm going to oh okay check it out. <laughs> maybe uh, I would like to take York to go see it. Yeah. I tell him which would you rather see it in IMAX or real 3D, and I think he's on board for IMAX. Right. So that sounds going to be something else. <laughs> facts so uh so i might be trying to do that so okay but it's yeah because that's oh it's gonna be awesome yeah because i kept seeing uh, the trailer um, like i've never seen that in a theater that'd be a good thing to either. do <laughs> yep yep not even in college like not even in college i've never yeah. seen another big screen. wow so yeah cool. yeah no we need to do it when you watch that one Trying to, like I'm trying to remember. It's like no, it's yeah. Yeah. Um, so for me, for my last one, I went way back because I realized I haven't done a classic in a while. I haven't mm-hmm. done an older movie that uh, you know that I have you know that I really. Love. So I decided for my third film because I was having a hard time trying to find something that would interest me this week. Um, so I watched, you know, other than taking your see bullet train and then finding that awesome documentary on Nolan Ryan, just nothing really was just, stick, you know, standing out like I really wanted to watch. Like I started two different movies, made it about 10, 15 minutes into both. And then I'm like, yeah, no, I'm, I'm not feeling this today. Maybe revisit it another time. Not feeling these two, though. Uh, so instead, I went back and revisited one of my favorite Alfred Hitchcock movies, Foreign Correspondent. From 1940, uh, two hours long, which really, for 1940, that's kind of a long movie. I mean, it's not Gone with the Wind, but it's still a pretty long movie, so yeah. uh, kind of surprising. And honestly, even though I love Hitch, they probably could have cut about 20 minutes out of this movie easily um, and made it a tight hour 40 and been awesome. Yeah. Because there's so much, there's so many different locations that this takes place at and so much traveling that it it, it is uh it kind of gets to be a bit much that I, they really could kind of just tighten it a little bit but as as a whole still one of my favorites uh <clears throat> on the eve of world war ii a young american reporter tries to expose enemy agents in london Starring Joel McRae as John Jones, Lorraine Day as Carol Fisher. Uh, they really wanted Barbara Stanwyck or uh, I forgot Joan Fontaine, I think. Uh, but they ended up getting Lorraine Day. 
uh, Herbert Marshall as Stephen Fisher, George Sanders, who you would, I guarantee if you were to look up his filmography, you're like, oh my God, I know exactly who that is. He's been in a ton of things. He was also in Rebecca, uh, also Alfred Hitchcock, all about Eve, picture of Dorian Gray. Um, you know, even he was even in uh, episode of Mission Impossible. Um, but he's been in a ton of movies. He uh, he voiced Shere Khan, the tiger in the Jungle Book, like the animated, obviously the OG yeah. one. Um, he was Mister Freeze in the '66 Batman series. So like everybody, anyways, uh, he was in a bunch. Uh, excellent actor. Albert uh, Basserman as uh, Van Meer, Robert Benchley as Stebbins, Edmund Gwynn, who uh, was Riley, who also was the Santa in Miracle on 34th Street. Kind of give people ideas who these actors and actresses are. So this was, now, like I said, 1940, okay? So on the eve of World War II, so World War II, Started in 39, if my memory serves you right. Well, while they were filming this movie, war was breaking out. <laughs> to kind of give you an idea. Yeah. So they so the movie got delayed to this due to the screenplay constantly being rewritten in order to for it to be as current and relevant as possible. The film also went over budget because the equipment would have to be re repurchased due to a crew that was bound for Holland being struck by a torpedo. Damn. The film also went over budget due to elaborate sets, including a three-story windmill, which that one's more widely known about. Um, it is also one of the key... Like Hitch always likes his big, elaborate kind of scene that can be put on, like, on a poster... That's you know for extra drama, like yeah. the uh, Mount Russian we're seeing uh, in uh, Saboteur, uh, Statue of Liberty. Sorry, Statue of Liberty was in Saboteur. Um, sorry, I meant uh, North by Northwest was Mount Rushmore, and like big clock towers for Vertigo, all these big huge elaborate sets, and then of course the house for psycho so he likes his big these big huge sets and so the windmill is one of the things that was one of the big sets one of my favorite scenes though is towards the beginning uh basically when when uh, jones who also go they changed his name because they didn't like the publisher didn't like the name from the newspaper didn't like the name so it's like henley haverstock or something like that. huntley haverstock mm. so you know made okay to worse <laughs> uh he uh he's being sent over to cover van Meer to find out what information he knows that's going on with the possible war breaking out um he's like this big peace guy and trying to smooth things out i guess well then he gets assassinated and there during this big crowd on these steps of this building and it's raining, so all you see when in, you see Jones chasing after after the shooter is 
you see them them running through the crowd, and all you see are these black umbrellas that make this giant just like like just all you see are black umbrellas. You don't even see people yeah. until you see them trying to run through, and then you see the umbrellas moving, you know, like in different different ways to show where the characters are running. And this is such a great kind of noir style uh, filmmaking and trying to find out who's behind the assassination. Is he actually really dead? Or the fact that you later find out that there's, you know, they're using doubles. There's some espionage things going on. And then war is also, you know, the war breaks out. Uh, this movie was nominated for six Academy Awards Best Picture, Best Supporting Actor for Albert Besserman, who had to, who didn't speak any any English, and he had to learn his lines by learning it phonetically. Wow. So, yeah. He, he didn't have a, he was in it, but a lot of the times his character was, like, doped up, you know, or, you know, sedated in a way. Um, yeah. So he didn't have a huge speaking role, but he had... Um, there towards the end, he had a nice little monologue that he got to do in a different way. Um, but it was also nom- nominated for Best Screenplay, Best cinemat- for best Cinematography, Best Art Direction, and Best Special Effects. Of course, all special effects then were done practically. Uh, the lead character was loosely based on Edward R. Murrow, so that's kind of cool. One of the greatest you know, journalists of our time that most journalists today kind of base their base their uh, that's their idol not idol but that's the person that they admire most uh, so let's see here I'm losing my train of thought I'm sorry um, apparently there was multiple endings of this movie but they ended up the ending they ended up doing was uh, with Joel McRae delivering a propaganda broadcast as bombs fall in London, which was written by Ben Hecht and shot after the rest of the movie was completed. It was replaced, uh, sorry, it replaced a more sardonic ending in which uh, George Sanders' character, Follett, tells Haverstock, played by Joel McRae, uh, how the enemies will likely cover up the incidents depicted in the main part of the movie. So kind of did it with a more of a gung-ho feel to it. And then yeah. they, uh, let's see, and then when it went to the, like the end credits, you know, is the truth will, you know, the truth still marches on in a very patriotic kind of end, which is interesting because this is still a British film because uh, I believe, because I don't think Hitch, Hitch's first movie, American movie was Rebecca, which I believe was shot before this. So, uh, but it's very interesting. It, if you haven't watched it, I definitely highly recommend it. Um, they even make a dedication at the beginning of the film for all the journalists that are, you know, covering the war and being embedded with, you know, behind enemy lines trying to cover, cover the story so people at home can get, can, uh, get an understanding as to what's really happening overseas because, you know, no computers, social media, you know, like three TV channels, if they even had TV. And it was mostly radio broadcasts. Yeah. So, but it was crazy that, you know, this film being shot during the time that the war was going on, about the war going on, and still the 
fact that they even bothered to try and rewrite the script to keep it relevant with what was actually going on during the war it was just it's very interesting because that kind of stuff obviously wouldn't happen now but hitch is very uh particular <laughs> i guess it's a good way he knows what he wants and if and he's going to get that um and did an amazing job with this one again it's not one that is going to be in like the top 10 for most but it's in my top 10 because it's one of my favorites so rich history anyways check it out if you can... i see it's on hbo max there you go all righty so my final entry it's probably my favorite <laughs> Um, I went and checked out Dragon Ball Super, Superhero, uh, did 4DX, and 4DX only had the dubbed version. I usually like going for the subtitle, because mm-hmm. I don't know, sometimes with the dub, I don't think you get the same feeling from it. Not that they do a bad sometimes job. Sometimes it could take you out. Yeah. yeah, sometimes it could take you out. Yeah. But uh, this also released Friday the 19th, runtime of an hour and 40 minutes. Uh, directed by Tetsuro Kodama, but it's written and created by Akira Toriyama, who's the creator of everything Dragon Ball. Um, some of the voice cast, this is the English voice cast, um, it focuses mostly on Gohan and Piccolo, so Kyle Herbert voices Gohan, Christopher Sabat voca- um, voices Piccolo, but also Vegeta, Corin, and Shinron, uh, Sean Shamel voices Goku, Monica Royale, uh, Bulma. Uh, then you have Zachary Aguilar, Dr. Hito. Um, Charles Martinet does Magenta, who's the voice of Mario. Oh. So I was like, ah, didn't recognize his voice. <laughs> um, that's just some. There's, there's a long list of other names, but a lot of the characters don't play as big a role in this, yeah. surprisingly. Um, but <clears throat> what this is about... The Red Ribbon Army from Goku's past has returned with two new androids to challenge him and his friends. Um, surprisingly enough, if you're expecting Goku and Vegeta to come in and save the day, sorry, this isn't it. <laughs> so if that's what you're expecting. This ain't that movie. <laughs> no, this isn't it. Because Goku and Vegeta right now are off-planet training with Broly, which kind of picks up from the last movie. And I guess the, the gods Whis and Beerus... Are keeping close watch, and we get this idea: Goku, Vegeta, Broly, why don't you, why don't you three have a nice battle royale? And Goku's like, no, Broly's not ready. He doesn't have control of his powers. If he kind of snaps and gets angry, he'll pretty much destroy the planet. So we and me's like, yeah, yeah, you're right. So Goku, you, <laughs> you, you and Vegeta fight, <laughs> and Broly, you sit and watch. <laughs> so Goku and Broly, I mean Goku and Vegeta have their battle. The only the only thing about this, Whis is like, no transformations. You stay in your base form and you fight. That's it. And Vegeta's been doing this new technique where he basically meditates and tries to get his mind right. Because he feels like yeah. that's going to help him finally yeah. get his butt whooped. <laughs> so, but him and Goku kind of have their battle. They go back and forth. And, of course, it's not. It's acknowledged that the... The mental training that Vegeta's doing is helping him a lot because he's keeping up with Goku. Yeah. So that's going on there. Meanwhile, on Earth, Red Ribbon Army 
which is under the pseudonym Red um, Red Pharmaceutical as the front. Mm. Red Ribbon Arbor's in the background. Um, the leader is trying to pretty much get back to the glory because his dad, who used to run the run the show, died. He's trying to bring it back. And there was a doctor, Dr. Giroux, who created all these androids. He finds out he has a grandson that's just as smart as him, but also takes uh, after him as far as building androids. So he's a little off. He's serving a, a, a prison sentence because he's just not right in the head. Mm-hmm. But they easily convince him to join them in eradicating this menace, which is Boma Capsule Corp. Basically saying that all the Z fighters are enemies. They're bad. They're bad people. And Dr. Hito, which is the, the grandson, goes for it. He says, I already got two androids. They can take care of this. We're good. So, of course, this is mostly focusing on Gohan and Piccolo. Piccolo is now pretty much doing what he did in the original. He's training mm-hmm. Gohan's daughter, Pan, kind of like he did Gohan in Dragon Ball. And he's also babysitting. If they need him to pick her up from school, they they get him. And, you know, he's he's not too happy. But he has this collection of plush animals that he took one, but they keep giving it to him. And he just keeps taking it. He, you know, he's kind of embarrassed by it. But I think he yeah. really likes that stuff. But anywho, um, it's basically about Piccolo trying to get Gohan to start training. Because Gohan just basically just studies. You know, he doesn't do any of the fighting thing. He's not like his dad. Yeah. Um, and so first android fights Piccolo, who presumably he kills, but then Piccolo gets kind of stealthy and follows him back and finds out the Red Ribbon Army's base and infiltrates them, puts on the suit. Um, so I'm not here for like the story, you know, it's not a strong right. story, it's not a plot, it's all about the fighting. So but I mean, it's it's got some good moments in it. Um, okay. It, but the 40x, this is probably the most intense experience I've had with 40x <laughs> in Shang Chi. Yeah. When I'm when I'm literally using my arms to brace on the arm rails to so I'm not falling out of my seat. Yeah. That that's that's intense. Like I don't know if it's because there wasn't as many people there, so the seats have more freedom to move. Like literally the the rail yeah. the footrests were flopping. Like you hear them flopping. That's how intense like seriously so if you're gonna watch this in 40x it might not be great for young kids or anyone prone to injury (laughs) back problems older people like like you like you (laughs) like you like me i I managed to not get injured i was you know maybe well i did kind of scrape my my finger a little bit on the rail so bless your heart (laughs) but um but yeah I, i i just I like Dragon Ball. Like I, I enjoyed the last Broly movie. I watched it standard. Mm-hmm. I feel like that would have been good in 40x watching it. I feel like I would have had this same experience. So maybe it's good I didn't. <laughs> but yeah, um, maybe. Yeah. Um, some good good callbacks to the original series. Um, someone, I basically. That's kind of spoiler. I won't give that away. Um, but it's some cool callbacks. You know, like I said, it's not. Vegeta and Goku saving the day. It's mostly focused on right. Piccolo and Gohan and the remaining fighters that are there to take care of this. And um, but yeah, I, I enjoyed it. I mean, they did okay. kind of, you know, some of the transformations as you know were kind of quick, but they kind of explain it. You know, if you're 
at the end. It's kind of, it's kind of explained as you watch, like, why these things happen so quickly. Because, you know, I don't want to give it too much away. Uh, but um, going back to Gohan's daughter, Pan, Piccolo's trainer, the only thing she can't do is fly. That's, that's the only thing she has trouble with. But, like, there's a scene where they're supposed to be kidnapping her, and she knocks out the kidnapper. <laughs> and, you know, Piccolo's kind of undercover, so he's yeah. explaining everything to her, like, hey... This is what we're doing. Just come with us, and you know we'll we we'll get this all figured out. But it's all right. It's cool. Yeah. But um, it's got some cool humor. But I still want to watch the subversion just so I can get that good original language type feel from it. Yeah. Yeah. And there's it's not a lot of. I mean, there's some a lot of yelling, powering up stuff, but it's not like the series where it's ten minutes of it. You know, they kind of get 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 powered up there. Um. They even showed in the trailer Piccolo has a new form. Um, they bring an old character back, kind of. Not the same, but the same. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, I enjoyed it a lot. Okay. Cool. I have not watched Dragon Ball 22, 20, yeah, probably 22, maybe 23 years. It's been a minute. I had, let's put it this way, my. I would watch it on Cartoon Network. Same. In my grandparents' basement when uh, when I was using their computer, because we didn't have one at our house. At least we didn't have one with the internet. Mm-hmm. And they had one with the internet, so, you know, good old school dial-up when you're trying to wait for something to load. It takes forever yeah. in a day. So I would go over there, do that, and then... Uh, and then... <laughs> And then just put that on, and it'd be, you know, it'd be that. And then I forgot what else would be on. I think Sailor Moon after, like, two episodes. And I'm like, yeah, no, that's not for me. <laughs> and uh, flip the channel and find something else. But I would I would have that on, and, yeah, it would just be, like, three episodes of them screaming, and then finally something goes on, you know, in the last two of the week. And then yeah. wash, rinse, repeat. <laughs> for, yeah. And then just kind of got out of it for whatever, but... I didn't. I don't dislike. It. I'd probably. I bet if I watched it now, I'd probably enjoy it. I really like the animation going through. Like you know, yeah. the, all the fight sequences are done well. The choreography that they animate and the the way it just fluid. Like there's only one saga of the original Dragon Ball Z that I have not watched or finished, which is why I haven't started the new yeah. Dragon Ball Super. But um, hopefully, I'll eventually get through to that. But the movies are, are good. They're kind of like a good encapsulating of whatever episodes previously happened. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Okay. Uh, let's see here. Real quick, we only have one trailer to discuss. Uh, the greatest beer run ever. Set to come to theaters and Apple TV Plus September 30th. Based on a true story about uh, a man's story of leaving New York in 1967 to bring beer to his childhood buddies in the army while they are fighting in Vietnam. Directed by Peter uh, Fairley of the Fairley Brothers. Starring Zac Efron, Russell Crowe, Bill Murray, and others. So, looks interesting. So, we'll see. That's it. And then uh, what do we got this week coming up? Let's see. 
Oh, this week coming up, we have Samaritan with the Stallone, sort of a superhero or retired superhero, and the Invitation. So, so those two are coming out this week. So we'll have those to talk about. So, boom, boom. Sounds yeah, like a plan, though. My daughters want to see that. Yeah. Oh, fingers crossed. Um, There's no no early times for that. Yeah. Oh, um, also the three thousand years of longing. Is that, that this week? Supposed, it? supposed mm-hmm. it's, it's supposed to be twenty fifth, but like bodies, 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 it might switch. Get that push. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Might get that push. Yeah. Yep. And then, believe it or not, we'll be in September next week. Wow. <laughs> can't even. I, dude, I can't. I can't even. That's wild. I'm just snap, snap, flying. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. And then uh, first week of September, it'll be Honk for Jesus, Jesus, Save Your Soul. Which I'm looking forward to. That looks good. But yeah. Mm, There we go. All righty, my friends. We... We'll talk to you all next week. Have an amazing week. Watch some good movies. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed our show and have a moment, please rate and review. It helps us out a lot. Also, recommend us to someone that enjoys movies or also has kids. You can find us on Twitter at PA Movie Podcast and on Instagram at parental underscore advisory underscore movie underscore pod. Be sure to join our Facebook group, Parental Advisory Movie Podcast, and join in on the fun.